Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Hello and welcome to Dilly Ding, Dilly Dong, the Leicester Mercury's Leicester City podcast. I'm James Sharp, with me is my colleague Jordan Blackwell and we are here to discuss Leicester City's victory over Swansea and the continued search for a new manager. Before we get underway, I'll give the usual uh, plug to the sponsors, which is beer52.com, who give you the chance to get your hands on eight different beers from around the world, free of charge and just for the posting and packaging, go on to beer52.com and put the word Leicester in and you will get your free beers for the posting and packaging. Now, on to Leicester City and what was a rather important victory mm. over Swansea uh, in the Premier League. Without a manager following the man- shacking of Craig Shakespeare, Jordan, from your point of view, how important was it with everything that was going on around Leicester City that they got off or they got, they got three points under their belt as quickly as they did? Yeah, I think it was really crucial. Um, they didn't want to to get stuck in a rut. Um, you know, they were they were six without a win in the league, um, and you don't, when you've got a new manager in, you you want to get off to a good start mm. because if, if all of a sudden you you lose your first game, then maybe sort of a, a, a rot sets in and you're wondering where the next win is coming from. Uh, but it was a, a really good performance, mm-hmm. um, probably the, probably the best of the season uh, in the Premier League, um, and they thoroughly deserved the three points. And um, I suppose it gives the the team a little bit more confidence going into the to the next few games. Yes, uh, I, I agree. It looked, even though when the team sheet was was named and it was not many changes, just Okazaki in for Ianacho in the usually um, f- the four four two formation, which people usually get annoyed about mm. uh, and say doesn't work unless they get over in midfield and that kind of thing. But performance wise, even in that system was excellent. I think a lot of that, as we'll come on to, was to do with the performance of the players in the key roles in that position, yeah. namely Vicente Abora and Shinji Okazaki, who for me were the two standouts. Did they stand out for you as well? Yep, yeah, I'd agree that those two were the, were the key players. Um, Ibora was, was really, really good and it was his performance that ensured City weren't overrun mm. uh, in midfield. You know, Swansea did play with the three in there. Um, and Leicester just had the two, but the the, the partnership with Ndidi worked quite well. Ndidi mm-hmm. sort of did the chasing. Ibora was sort of more static, I suppose you could say, um, but he really controlled the game. Um, and we've talked a lot about um, players not uh, Ibora, um sort of struggling to to reach um, the pace needed and, and to to get up to speed. Is what Shakespeare kept saying: mm-hmm. he needs time to get up to speed to the Premier League and of City. But he didn't really need to do that he sort of he made Leicester City adjust to him and is that a sign of a good player? yeah I would say so yes I think that's certainly the sign of a, a commanding player um, and he yeah he he made Leicester City work to his tempo and that really worked and he, he was playing forward passes um, th- through the gaps to Okazaki and, and Tamares and Okazaki in that, that role probably played one of his, his best ever games yeah. in a Leicester shirt 
he was doing all the things you'd expect him to do and all the things that we know he does but he was also spraying passes out wide he was creating chances he got himself in the box as we've seen him do a lot this season um, so yeah those two in particular um, played really well and I think the team around them mm. played pretty well uh, and, and that sort of added together to a, a deserved win Yeah I thought those two were the ones who both of them influenced the game hugely yet we spoke about it on the way back they couldn't have played in any more contrasting styles yet influenced the game in the same way you got Shinji running around like he always does scurrying about winning balls here linking up play Uh, I find it interesting actually that Shakespeare when he spoke to the radio afterwards had said that he at some point had even told Shinji just to to slow it down slightly Mm. take an extra touch uh, if you get the ball and build it that way I thought that was interesting but also then on the, the flip side of that is Bora who to be honest, didn't even I don't think I even saw him run at any point during the game. He hardly even moved outside the, of the of the centre circle. But controlled a game like I haven't seen a Leicester midfielder control yes. a game for a long time. Um, when he just shaved his head and spoke in an Argentinian accent, it was <laughs> reminiscent of, of when Cambiasso was here. And even when Swansea scored their goal, it was Abora who, before kickoff, was pushing his hands down in that way that we saw Cambiasso do so many times. But I thought what was different for Ibora was that on Monday night against West Brom, a lot of people complaining about the sideways passing and how he'd slowed the tempo down and wasn't really passing incisively. But we saw early on against Swansea, those passes were going forward between the lines into, into Okazaki, into Mares, into Vardy. I think that's what Leicester have missed. Yeah. Playing that system, playing 4-4-2, they've missed being able to get that ball forward through it through the lines yeah and I think that that was the key to certainly in the first half when Leicester were, were totally dominant that that was the the big factor um, in them creating so many chances obviously we didn't see it um, against West Brom um, we did see it against Swansea and Michael Appleton, Michael Appleton mentioned it specifically in his post-match press conference that it was something he point pinpointed as a weakness in Swansea mm-hmm. and something for Leicester to do um, whether they didn't do it against West Brom because of West Brom setup, or the, the whether it was because of managerial instruction from from Shakespeare that they were to to play it wide instead, uh, we don't know. But um, certainly that that bodes well for Appleton that he was able to spot that and sort of give instructions, and it worked for Leicester, and it was a real uh, a real plus point. Yes, I mean that kind of brings me on to the next kind of um, question, a bit of a bit of a hypothetical question to answer, and one. We will, we will struggle to know and are interested to hear uh, viewers and readers comments on this um, if you do comment on it I'll be able to pick it up down here and, and, and we can answer them uh, if we can do we think Leicester would have won that game had they been under Craig Shakespeare because a lot of the talk in, up to this was people weren't quite sure why, why he'd been sacked so soon others were saying yes it's the right time that Leicester weren't playing positively enough with the performance that Leicester put in against Swansea, had that been under Shakespeare, would they have got the same kind of performance and would they have got the same kind of result? Um, that, that is a, a very tricky question to answer. I, I don't think... Obviously, when Ranieri was sacked, we saw this big um, boost in almost confidence in, mm. in the side and we they went on that really good run where they won six games in a row in all competitions. Because of how much the players liked Shakespeare... I don't think you were particularly expecting a boost in that mm. manner. Because um, with Ranieri, they'd had a whole week of being criticised by all the national press. 
they were being made out to be these backstabbing villains. Yeah. So they had a point to prove, they had their backs up, so that there was always going to be a boost there. It was different with this. Yeah, because this wasn't really a, a story. The, the Ranieri thing was a, a big story, mm. title-winning manager of the, the most unlikely champions ever, sacked within seven or eight months mm. of winning the title. This wasn't really a big story. Leicester in the bottom three. Uh, for some people, that meant that's not a problem. Manager sacked. It happens all the time. Um, yeah. So they didn't. The club. The players didn't really have anything to prove. Um, so whether that meant they would have, they would have won if, if if Shakespeare was there, I, I don't know. I I think possibly yes because I don't because mm. I don't think Swansea played very well. No. Uh, and I think uh, although Leicester did play very well, I think we would have seen a similar p level of performance under Shakespeare. Yeah, yeah I think so as well. Um, we mentioned that Ebora impressed and that Okazaki impressed. Uh, and they picked him out on match of the day and he, I think, is currently leading our man of the match poll on our website. If you haven't voted, please do. We think uh, Riyad Mahrez, we, all, we, saw, we saw the old Riyad a little bit. I know it's a bit of a cliche term, but we saw the Mahrez that can change games, set up both goals, should have set up a third when Vardy had his saved. Yeah. That was more like the old Riyadh. Was that just because of confidence or was it because Swansea just weren't really closing him down and he was given a bit more time to to do what he can do? Yeah, I think I think a bit of both. I think at the start he was afforded a lot more space than he's been used mm. to um, over the course of this season and also last season. We saw uh, in the home game at Brighton... Um, he was afforded loads of space, and he he was the Riyad of old, as as you said. Um, but yeah, that was the same at, at Swansea. Afforded lots of space, was able to to create chances and and take players on. Obviously, got the two assists, and then once he got the two assists, that's when you saw the confidence start yeah. to come out. And there was the, there's a clip that they did uh, focus on a match of the day where he sort of pulled a ball out of the air and then and took took it by his man with consummate ease. Um, who then ended up on his backside. Yes, he? exactly. Uh, and that's that's what we, we know he can do and that's what we like to see him do. Um, but yes, I think those sorts of moves and that those sorts of skills we only see when he's feeling really confident. Um, and I think he probably needed the assists and also the, the space that Swansea's given him in the first half um, to sort of have the audacity to, to try those moves. Um, but yes, certainly I think we're getting closer. This Certainly... We're closer to seeing the Riyadh of the title-winning campaign this season than we were last season. Yeah, um, something we kind of have to touch on uh, is that uh, in the stands, made visible before the game started and as well as after the game, were the banners uh, that a small group of Leicester fans had brought with them. Uh, we said Rudkin out, which was in reference to Leicester's director of football, John Rudkin, who. Uh, has received quite a lot of criticism mm. over uh, the, the summer and so he's a man who is seen as being responsible for the transfer dealings um, and uh, potentially having says in who could be the new manager although that decision is made by the ch is by, by the chairman and the owners uh, also the Adrian Silva saga mm. that's um, kind of cast a shadow over the season so far he's been seen as the as the man who is seen as responsible for this he was there at the game on Saturday. There were chants made by the fans saying that they wanted him out. What did you make of that? Do you think it's not necessarily fair on John Rudkin that those were directed at him, but is it fair, do you think, that the fans 
want some kind of um, answers and people to be held to account for what they've seen as being um, mistakes off the field. Yeah, definitely. I think the the fans are entitled to question those things. We don't really know what goes on in the the, the inner workings of the club, and I, I assume most decisions are a collective, mm-hmm. and therefore most mistakes are a collective. But certainly, I think fans are entitled to ask questions, and they probably deserve more answers uh, from the club, particularly regarding the Adrian Silva um, saga. That was a. a a rarity we've not seen that happen in English no. football uh, and with such a big deal uh, that was clearly a, a mistake was made um, in some way and the club haven't really been all that open about it they've they left Craig Shakespeare to answer questions about yeah. it and he he didn't know all, all that much um, and so I can understand the fans frustration yeah. um, they deserve answers it is their club or I, I said this over the weekend that it's it's the fans' club more than than the owners' club, really. The the fans have been around a, a lot longer than than King Power Group have, um, and so I'd like to see a, a bit more openness from the club. And yeah. I'm sure the fans would would really appreciate that if they were just given a, a few more answers as to as to the decisions being made behind the scenes. Yeah, I mean, we probably should clarify we we have asked um, for interviews with with John Rudkin and for people in the hierarchy. Um, to kind of get those answers at the minute, that doesn't seem likely. Um, but it is, it, like you say, I think it is. I think because of the, the because of everything that's happening with the, the start they've made, the Shakespeare ca- carrying the can for what has been seen as a bit of a messy start regarding transfers and obviously silver and results. Um, I think fans are are justified in, in in wanting some more answers than they are getting. Do you think that? That can be. Can will fans be appeased, or will fans not forget about this? But if they get the the managerial appointment, which we can come on to now, if they get that right, will that kind of alleviate some of the pressure on the hierarchy at the club? Yeah, definitely. Um, because everyone knows how how big of a deal getting the right manager is. Mm. Um, obviously, it it won't be clear uh, whoever. As to do a point, it won't be clear if, if they are the right manager probably until the end of the season. Mm. Um, so I, I assume there'll probably be some kind. There'll be a few gripes, and I'm sure whoever, whichever manager King Power bring in, they won't be sort of fully backed by everyone because yeah. everyone has opinions on on football managers. Um, I'm sure there'll be a, a, a few fans, and there may be a, a few people that are against whoever the new manager is. Um, but certainly, I think it it will be a big deal if if a new manager comes in is really positive about the club gets the the, the players performing well immediately um, and I think there'll start to be a um, yeah I think people will maybe start to forget about the the dealings in the summer and, and, and Adrian Silva yes I mean now we can get on to who that man will be already looking down here at your comments and already a lot of people are saying Maxine here is saying that Dyche is the man but his he his lord is like with Burnley I don't know about that. I've read a few interviews over the weekend with Sean Dyche, and he has had ample opportunity to say that he is not interested in what Leicester have to say, and he hasn't turned that down just that just turned that down yet. Uh, he's in the running. Chris Coleman, the Wales boss, he's been one of the front runners in the odds over the weekend. Though uh, Manuel Pellegrini, the former Manchester City manager, he his odds have tumbled. He is the new bookies' favourite. 
What do you make of that? Um, and would he fit the bill at Leicester? Definitely, I think he would. He would fit. Well, he would fit what the owners are looking for, or what we assume they are looking for. Um, he is a big name. He's a, he's a Premier League winner. Um, he's managed uh, some of the top clubs in Europe. Um, he's got that sort of elder statesman vibe that Ranieri had. Yeah. In that he's not going to to criticise other managers in press conferences. He's he's not going to to give the club a bad name in any way. Um, is a he is a, a a gentleman, um, and I think he would fit the bill in that sense. Uh, whether he would fit with the players, I'm not sure. I think there would be uh, a period where a, a period of adjustment if Pellegrini was to come in. Yeah. Uh, whereas I think that other managers, particularly Dyche, um, where we could probably see an immediate impact because there's not necessarily much of a change. I think in terms of Managers um, on the, on the short list or uh, in the in the bookmakers odds. Um, I think Dyche, his style at Burnley fits Leicester City style more closely. But it's whether Leicester want to continue with that style or or want to to go in a different direction. Yeah, and now I think that is the key issue, and it's what I tried to try to get to the bottom of or or raise the question of in my match verdict from Swansea is that if we feel like. I feel like Leicester are at a point now where it's unclear what kind of club Leicester City mm. want to be and I think who they appoint as manager will tell you a lot about that after winning the title perceptions of the club and expectations get completely blown out of proportion mm. and it's skewed do the owners think or want Leicester to be challenging for the top eight and be an established top eight, not necessarily top six, but pushing that way club. Do fans see them as being an eighth to twelfth club, and if you have a good season, you reach the Europa League and you might have a good cup run kind of club? Because before yesterday, Leicester were, their main focus was not being in a relegation battle. Yeah. So all these things are there, and I think what kind of, what manager Leicester go for defines that, because you could look at someone like Sean Dyche, who a lot of the fans are talking about, um, and he, you would say, you look at Sean Dyche and you say, well, he'll keep, he'll keep you up. He'll get, you'll keep you stable. He'll make you competitive against the big clubs as he's done at Burnley, which he's done on a shoestring budget. He'll make you, he'll get the most out of the, out of the players that you can by effort and hard work. But it, the fans might want to see that, and you could look at it and think, well, Nigel Pearson did that, and they built on that and won the title. But is that what the owners see? Do the owners think is that enough for the owners? Did Leicester's hierarchy think? It's not big enough. Manuel Pellegrini is, would you'd say, would be big enough. Mm. Carlo Ancelotti would be big enough. But then, would Carlo Ancelotti's view of Leicester match what Leicester wants? I think it's it's important now that they get the decision right because at the minute, from chatting to people, it, it's unclear what kind of club Leicester are and what kind of club Leicester aspire to be. And I think who Leicester appoint will answer that question. I think. Yeah, I think as you say with Dyche. You you would say if at Leicester with Leicester's um, sort of uh, capacity to to spend, um, there would be a solid sort of mid-table team. Mm. If they were to appoint someone like Pellegrini, it could probably go one of two ways, and that it could be great and you finish eighth, uh, but could, it could also go pretty badly and you could be battling relegation. If they don't, if the if 
the squad and the identity of the squad doesn't match what Pellegrini yeah, wants. Exactly. Um, and I think the owners do see Leicester as a top eight club. Um, but really, I'm, I'm not sure that's a thing. I mean, we've seen it from uh, over, the, over the past few years. Really, there's the six big teams in the Premier League and then everybody else is essentially battling relegation. They are... They're all fairly similar in terms of in terms of ability. Only really, Everton obviously they've got a, a lot of history. In who, Southampton a little who, bit. By the looks of these, the comments on here have just sacked Ronald Koeman. Oh right. Okay. So I mean, um, I haven't, I'm not able to check that as we're currently on on Facebook Live, but apparently it's comments coming through that Koeman has been sacked. So you can even look at Everton and think, well, they're not they're not reaching their expectations. No, because they, they they wanted to be pushing for the top six and they've not been able to do it. Um, Southampton have, have done okay. They had a few seasons, particularly under uh, Pochettino and uh, and Koeman, where they where they finished just outside the top six. Um, but we've not really seen any team do that consistently, and that's why it's so difficult for Leicester to do that. Um, really, you would just hope that they're a solid mid-table team that they're at least going to finish twelfth, and then if they do have a good season, then things do go their way. They can push higher, but. Um, I think it's very difficult for Leicester to establish themselves as a as a top eight club. Yeah, because Appleton made a, quite a good point uh, in his press conference last week, which was he was having a conversation with Tony Pulis after the West Brom game, and Pulis was saying, "Look at last season's table, and the gap between eighth and seventeenth was six points. Mm. That's 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 two that's two defeats. That's that's an unlucky deflection and a rogue linesman flag yeah. can be the difference between you being." Eighth and battling relegation. They are very exceptionally fine margins, but fine margins or not, that, do, that doesn't seem to matter to, to, to owners in football nowadays. Ranieri and Shakespeare both copped for that. Yeah, and I, I, that's not surprising because because of the the money that's involved in the Premier League, the biggest fear is relegation, and I don't know whether the owners will will consider that and think. Well, if we do get someone like Dyche, at least we're not going to be relegated. At least we keep <laughs> receiving that Premier League TV deal. Yeah. We're going to get the money. Um, so I don't think that's enough. I don't. I don't think that's enough for, for what ha- for what Leicester hierarchy perceive Leicester to be. Probably. Well, no, probably not. I mean, we'll get. We'll we'll find yeah, that out. It. But with who the appointment is at the minute, yeah. no one is really sure. They're only. They are. They're going to start this week. I think really getting to grips with and narrowing down who they are looking for. There will only be a very select group of people who will be involved in these discussions. When Claudio Ranieri was appointed, players had no idea. It was a very small group of people that knew that will involve the likes of Vichai and Top, John Rudkin, a very small selection of people. And hopefully over the next week or so, I don't know how long the process it will be, we should start to get a clearer idea as to who Leicester are looking for. But, as we expect, the game against Leeds on Tuesday, there will be no ma- there will be no new manager in place by then, which means that Michael Appleton will take charge. Do you see Michael Appleton making any changes um, for the Leeds game, and also how important do you kind of see that as a game? Um, I think he'll rotate a few players, and Leicester have rotated in the, the previous two rounds. Um, against Sheffield United and Liverpool and I think they'll do the same perhaps not quite so many players I think they've, yeah. they've made maybe I think it's like nine or ten changes in, in those games but I think we'll see the likes of, of Hamer and 
uh, Amate, Chilwell, Gray. I think those sorts of players will all start. Um, but also, I think because of injuries, particularly in central midfield, I think either Ndidi or Abora will will uh, keep their place. I think either Morgan or Maguire will keep their place. Um, as for how important I think it is, um, I think it's a pretty big deal. I, th I think I know fans uh, agree with this that people want to see mm. um, Leicester possibly in Europe or. And that the only way to get well, I say the only way to get there. The easiest way to get there is to win a cup competition, rather than trying to finish in the in the top seven. Um, and it may not even be the top seven if if another mm. team outside the top six wins wins one of the cups. Um, and so that that's the the easiest way to get there. And I think with the teams that are still left in the competition, and there's a, a few big teams in there, um, but I think Leicester have a, a really good chance because they've got enough strength in depth mm. to, to, to compete. Um, with all the teams in there. Yeah, we spoke about this um, on the way back and mentioned it in, in the verdict as well. When we're discussing the owners' expectations for Leicester and what they perceive the club to be, if they're perceiving the club to be a team that battles in Europe, we, all, we were all addicted to the Champions League yeah. journey. We all loved a taste of that. Danny Drinkwater, when he left for Chelsea, said he'd, he'd he had a taste of that and wanted more of it. If that is what the owners perceive Leicester, or they want Leicester to have, the best way of doing that is through the Cups. Or the, yeah. this season especially, is, is doing it through one of the Cups. I think they really should target this for, for, um, for a way in, into Europe. Um, kind of finally, what we want to touch on, uh, we've touched on managers, and in the same kind of mould, I want to ask you, if Appleton's won his first game in charge at Swansea, Say he wins against Leeds, gets left into the quarterfinals of the Carabao Cup, chance of look, getting them to Europe or another step closer. Uh, wins the next game against Everton, who are now also managerless, then wins again. Does Appleton at any point in this become a real contender for the Leicester job? Or should he? Uh, should he? Oh, should he? Yeah, that, that's a difficult one to answer. I don't think he will um, ever become a, a contender. Uh, if I'm being honest, um, I've been really impressed with him, both in his press conferences mm, and um, his um, the, the the tactics that he incorporated into the to the win at Swansea. Um, I think no matter how many games he wins, that won't be enough to convince the owners to to go for him. But I would very much like to see him stay on as assistant manager, no matter who comes in. I know that he said that's his. Amy want, he said that a number of times. Yes, now, he wants he? to honour his his assistant manager contract, which he's got for three years, and I totally understand that. Um, and so, yes, I think I, w I would like to see him stay, but I don't think the manager's job will be his. No, I I would agree with you on that. I think he's he's de he's definitely impressed me in the short time he's been uh, in charge. Not just because of the fact he's won a game, but how he's handled himself in press conferences, how he's mm -hmm. answered questions, listening to him after the game against Swansea the way he talked about what he'd asked the players to do how he talked about slowing the game down to play the game at their own tempo and how he tweaked things tactically made me think oh this is this is someone who, I, yeah. who I'd like to have at this football club who I think can make make it an impact but I agree with you I don't think the owners will see him as a potential long-term candidate because of all the reasons we've spoken about yeah. before, but I think Appleton will be happy with that. He's meant, he yeah. said that on a number of occasions that 
he's had enough of talking to the press all the time. He wants to. Ju- he's happy being being a number two. And I hope whoever does come in um, keeps him on board. Yeah. And I think on that note, um, we'll be able to wrap up this edition of the Ding Dilly Dong. Thank you to everyone who has been in touch and uh, left their comments on here. Uh, you can keep up to date with all of the news regarding who Leicester may well be appointing as successor to Craig Shakespeare on our website and on social media throughout the week. We will be at uh, the King Power Stadium on Tuesday to bring you all the action from the Carabao Cup Last 16 Clash. Uh, and finally, uh, remember, for if you want your free beers, then go to beer52.com. Um, from Jordan and me, that's all for now, and we'll see you later on in the week. <laughs>